Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas, and today we're going to talk about MXGP a little bit. We have a weekend off from Lucas Oil Pro Motocross, and we are all, well, I say all, I don't think Steve Mathis is because he is who he is, but a lot of us are anxiously awaiting uh, Loretta Lynn's Amateur Motocross Championships this coming week have lots of friends racing there and it's always uh it's always nice to be able to watch those races while I'm at work kind of makes the day go a little bit faster and uh it is part of my job to kind of know what's going on and be following the amateur phenoms and what's what's coming uh so can get away with a little bit of entertainment while I'm at the office too so that'll kick off I think practice is uh maybe today but it's uh kind of all week long and then wraps up on Saturday so big things happening there Lucas All Pro Motocross has this weekend off and next weekend off because of Loretta Lens. And we have some MXGP racing though. So those guys were in at Lommel, which is in Belgium. And for those of you who don't know, Lommel is arguably the most difficult track on the circuit. It is certainly my opinion that it is. And I think you would find most people agreeing with that sentiment. I do want to thank the sponsors of this podcast before we talk about Lommel. Pirelli Tires. Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Blenzall, Works Connection, Premier Vapor Blasting, 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, and Fly Racing. So, Lama, what happened? I don't know if you guys all got to watch. Uh, I know this is obviously for some, you probably don't get to watch MXGP or maybe you're a newer fan to it, but if you like motocross, I could not recommend this series any more highly it is just motocross at its finest the talent that these guys have and and the skill level that these guys are riding at is it's pretty remarkable you know if you've been following along to motocross the nations over the last decade you've seen how difficult it's become for the usa team to win anything and that's just a testament to how far that europe as a continent has come as far as motocross goes. And this is all they practice. They don't ride supercross. They don't practice supercross. And that's my formal opinion is that when you spend all of your time perfecting one discipline, you're going to get really good at it. And I believe that's what's happened with MXGP. I also believe they've done a fantastic job of cultivating young talent with the EMX classes that they have going. And they just have a really good process from start to finish on a, on a fundamental level they're doing a great job of cultivating this this talent. And you're seeing those guys show up, whether it's the MX2 class, there are names that, unless you've been following along very closely, you may not have ever heard of before, but they're now at the forefront. And, and you should, if, if 
Okay, let me let me go back. If you've been following along to EMX 85, 125, and 250, I guess 65 as well, you would have seen these guys coming through the pack. I understand that most people aren't doing that, and I'm guilty to a certain ex- extent of that too. But these guys have been coming, and these guys have been getting better and honing their skills, and they're finally showing up now in MX2. And those MX2 stars of yesteryear are now becoming MXGP stars. And that's that's how it works. Like it's no different for the USA too. I just think that there's a very good process happening uh, in the MXGP series right now for how to move these guys forward systematically. So when they do show up on a world championship level, they're prepared. They've ridden these tracks on a race weekend. They The moment's not too big for them because they've been around these Grand Prix for years, you know, they've watched it happen. They've seen how it's done. Uh, and, and they understand how the series works where in the USA you have Loretta's, you have mammoth, you have mini Olympics, you have all these amateur national championships throughout the year, but they're totally different than Lucas oil pro motocross. And in really every way possible, the length of the races are, are totally different the formats, just everything about it. You know, it's a one day event for Lucas Oil Pro Motocross where these amateur championships are multi days, sometimes a week long, multi motos, you know, three motos. It's just a very, very different dynamic. And I think that's where you see guys struggle to adapt at times where there is a learning process and, and not everyone makes that transition because I just don't think they really correlate very well. You know, I think our amateur program is, is great in certain aspects, but I don't think it always necessarily prepares amateur riders to go pro very well. If that makes sense, if that makes sense. And for, for most riders, so what, right? They're racing because their family wants to go to the races and they enjoy it. They don't ever plan on going pro. They don't have aspirations of that. This is a hobby for the family in a child's youth. Okay. That's certainly understandable, but for the riders who are planning to make a living in this sport, and for me, speaking from personal experience, it was always iffy. I didn't know if I was going to be able to make that jump. I wanted to. I was working towards it, but I wasn't sure. And until I really went pro and started finding some levels of success, that kind of solidified that I was going to be able to do this for a living and and uh, basically make enough money to pay for your bills and and right to be your sole source of income. That's just not reality for most. And I I get that. Um, but I would like to see the USA start to incorporate some of these things to help those guys. Let, let them be more prepared in some capacity. Right. And, And I don't know exactly how we do that. I know that offering like a support class on the weekend would, would be a great addition to it. But then how do we do that? Do we add in an extra day of racing? Because that's how it's done right now. The EMX class is on Saturday and the pro races are on Sunday. Do we find a way to add a little bit of time into the Sunday, well, Saturday schedule for Lucas Oil Promoter Cross? So those guys get to race on race day. That's, that would be my recommendation is in that 12 to one o'clock timeframe, which is normally just track maintenance and it's kind of a a dead period. I would find a way to get the amateur races in there. Now you are going to sacrifice some things. You're going to sacrifice track maintenance. You're going to sacrifice watering the track. Like, and that's all something that 
we have to wrap our heads around and see if that would work because that is really, really important to the races to make sure that the track's in prime condition for that first moto. But big picture, I think we're, we're losing out on an opportunity for one to get these kids more exposure, but also more importantly to prepare them for what's coming. So the transition is a little bit easier. And I also think it helps uh, to grow these kids and it's only going to help the sport in the end. Our pros are going to be better pros because they are more prepared when they make that jump, which is only going to propel them further uh, throughout their careers. They're just going to have an easier time uh, as they proceed through those steps. Uh, So anyway, I kind of got off topic there, but it's just something I've noticed over the last few years of what's happening in MXGP versus what's happening in Lucas Oil Promotocross and uh, correspondingly the amateur programs on each side where the MXGP side is very in lockstep from amateur to pro and the USA is not necessarily linked as well. Uh, We have great amateur races here, but they don't seem to be a stepping stone per se to the pro class. It's more, they're completely separated and the thought processes are not the same on either. uh, You know, they're really not steering the amateur races to prepare for the pro guys where I I see that kind of happening in in Europe. So anyway, let's jump into uh, what happened in Lommel. Sorry to get off on a tangent there, but I do think it it matters um, because I think for the long-term success of Lucas Oil Pro Motocross, especially comparing it to the success of the riders in MXGP, that's that's one thing that we're missing. So, MXGP. If anybody, if you've been following along, you saw that Jeffrey Hurlings had a big injury in uh, a couple weeks ago. Where where the hell were they? Um, God, I can't remember where they were. Where did uh, her, oh Oss? Sorry, new track. I, I couldn't remember the name of it. They were in uh, the Netherlands at Oss, and Ivo Monticelli landed on Jeffrey Hurlings. And unfortunately, Hurlings broke his shoulder blade, was forced to sit out the second moto there after winning the first moto with a broken shoulder blade, which is phenomenal. And then was forced to sit out Lockett and the Czech Republic last weekend. So that certainly hurt his point situation. And we were all really unsure if he would be able to race in this weekend in Lomo at all. We really just did not know what the, the situation might be. Uh, we all had a feeling, well, I say we all, I had a feeling he was going to try just because the guy is, is pretty miraculous when it comes to riding through injuries and fighting through pain. And what do you know? He comes out and wins the first moto really runs away with the damn thing. It's just an incredible ride in that first moto. And then the second moto, I think he may have done exactly the same thing. Had he not gotten into that crash on the first lap with Glenn Coltenhoff. So I have nothing but respect for Hurlings. Say what you want about, you know, his personality off the bike. You know, a lot of people don't care for him because, you know, he was pretty arrogant as a youngster, but who wouldn't be arrogant if you have the world by the balls that young, you're making all the money in the world, you're winning world championships at, you know, 15 years old. I'm sorry, but that's going to be hard to uh, kind of keep your, your ego under wraps. So, you know, some of my friends are not huge fans. Well, other of my friends are huge, are just super fans. So I, I kind of try to stay in the middle, but my respect for him is really more what he's capable of on a motorcycle. The talent he displays, the fitness, uh, he just kind of has the whole package when it comes to racing. And for someone who just didn't have that, it was always a struggle for me. And kind of every step of the way, I just 
I didn't have that elite skill set that he does. And yeah, I, I, I've seen excellence. You know, I got to ride with guys like Chad Reed and Tim Ferry and Ricky Carmichael at a younger age. And I, I've seen it. So I know what it looks like. And I was always just so envious of it. And that's kind of where I come down with hurlings is I'm just envious of how great uh, he is as well. So good job from him. I'm glad he's back in the series. He sits uh, just over 40 points out of the championship lead, which is, I think it's fine. It's not great, but we were all thinking that maybe he was done. The, the series was over. He's got a broken shoulder played. And now he seems like he's back. You know, they, he goes to Latvia next week, which is a track he rides pretty well. It's pretty sandy. And if he can eke out another podium there, maybe beat Tim Geiser again. The series feels a little different because these guys have a month off after that race and it could not come at a better time for Jeffrey Herlings. And if you remember, we just got the Finland round canceled uh, this past week. And a couple weeks ago, we had the Sweden round canceled. So instead of a couple more races in August that he would have to fight through injured, he's now going to get a full month off before he has to head to Turkey. So it just, man, it really has kind of turned around for him in, in a positive way. And he, he really needs it. And I, I commend him for fighting through this weekend because if, if he missed this weekend and, you know, Geister scored 32 points, you take Hurlings out, that's, you know, 34, 36 points, whatever. It's probably done. I just don't think that he can come back from 75, 80 points down on Geiser. I, I don't believe that's possible without some sort of serious injury to not only Geiser, but probably several guys. And now it just feels a little bit different. Uh, speaking of Tim Geiser, more crashing this weekend. And this is something I've been, I've been warning about. I, I don't want to say warn. That's probably the wrong term, but I've, I've been mentioning because Geiser has had an opportunity to really put this series away, in my opinion. If you look at what's gone on, Prado has been off his game several times. Caroli had an off day today that would have given him an opportunity to, to make up a ton of points. Hurlings, injury, right? Misses uh, uh, three motos. And Geiser simply has not taken advantage of it. He's crashed his way out of a ton of points lately. And I get it. He's trying hard, but that's the one thing he had been doing right for the last year and a half. He's, he'd been able to stay off the ground when other people make mistakes, were making mistakes. He was able to capitalize and he's just, he's not doing it. He gets 32 points today on a day where I feel like 40 plus points were on the table for him and he crashed his way into it. He crashed both motos and in time qualifying. That's the problem. That's the one thing that will keep him from being champion this year in 2021 is crashing. He's fast enough. Everything's there, starts, skill set. I mean, literally every aspect of his game is there. He just has to stay off the ground. And I'm sure he probably knows that. I don't think that this would be some revelatory opinion for him. But unless you can execute and stay upright, you're going to make life a lot harder for yourself and you're going to let guys like Jeffrey Hurlings back in the series because you've already let Tony Cairoli hang around. You've let Jorge Prado hang around. And now you've got a Roman Fevre who looks to be catching fire, winning his first ever Lommel. And, and this was something for Fevre that was a personal goal for him. Like he, I, I spoke with him at Majora, and this was something that he had circled. He wanted to win Lommel for, obviously, to make a statement, 
for the points, but it was just something that he he'd never won and he always wanted to. You know, these these guys that come from France, they don't ride the sand all that well usually. It's a very steep learning curve to get on the level of a Koldenhoff or a Jeffrey Hurlings or these guys that grew up in the sand. They are sand gurus. So for someone like Febra to continue to improve his skill set and go win at that track, that's really saying something. And, and you could tell in his podium interview today that it really it meant a lot. You know, it meant a lot more than just win to, winning. It was a personal goal met, and he just is really going to enjoy that tonight. And he even said that on the podium is we're going to enjoy this one. But I, I believe deep down this one meant a lot to him, and we'll see what it propels him towards. But big picture, I think that Geiser's making a huge mistake letting these guys stay in this thing because I think he had such a great opportunity to put a huge dent in everybody's confidence and their motivation going down the stretch that, uh, well, we can't catch Geyser. He's simply too good. And that was really the chance for Geyser to stand on these guys' necks and squeeze the life out of them. And I know that's graphic, but being around Carmichael in his prime and, and watching the way McGrath would methodically dominate a series, I believe that there are very pivotal moments in each series where the tide can turn and guys will subconsciously give in because they feel like kind of all is lost. And, and that sounds a little bit dramatic, but it's, again, it's subconsciously. I don't think they're making these decisions on purpose. You just get to a point where you're like, I, I can't beat this guy. And now I'm 40 points down. How am I ever going to make up 40 points on a guy I can't beat anyway? That's where Geiser was before he's gone into this streak of crashing. I really feel like he could have dominated these guys had he been able to win the last two rounds. And that's asking a lot. I get it. But that's what that's what the best ever, that's what they would do. That's what Ricky Carmichael would do when you have the opportunity to end it physically, mentally, emotionally. You end it. You go for the jugular, you go for the kill, and you strangle every ounce of motivation out of everybody. And that's that's what I think could come back to bite Geiser. Now, no one's saying he can't win this title. Certainly not me. I'm just saying he's going to have to fight for it every every step of the way now because Prado thinks that Geiser's beatable. Cairoli thinks that Geiser's beatable. Hurlings has probably always thought that he's beatable. But just when he was really starting to flex on these guys, he's let that get away. And now everybody sees an open door and they're all going to be going into this break. We'll, we'll see what happens after Latvia, right? Another really big weekend in Latvia. But all these guys are going to go into a break for a full month after Latvia before they go to Turkey for a doubleheader thinking, I'm in this. I can win this title. There's no reason why it can't be me. I'm only a handful of points out. It's really tight at the top. You know, I think from first down to fifth or sixth where Hurlings is, is only 40 points. And, and the top three are within like 10 points. So it's really tight. There's no reason why all those guys won't be thinking this is their championship. And Geiser had the chance to absolutely end that conversation a couple weeks ago where I don't think they would be thinking that way. I think if the last couple weeks go differently, we go into this break and they're starting to think about, man, I got to get ready for the off season. This championship's over. Maybe I'll win a couple races, but it's just a different feel and it's a different thought process that I can promise you 
Geiser didn't want. He, he does not want a nine-time champion in Cairoli thinking that he can win this. He doesn't want Prado, who doesn't know a lot differently than winning championships. That's really all he's ever done. You don't want him to gain confidence. You certainly don't want Jeffrey Hurlings to be 100% healthy and, and eyeing the title, you know, creeping back into the points situation. So, again, I don't want it to seem like I'm coming down on Geiser because I'm not. I just feel like it was a big missed opportunity that he may live to regret. And, and I'm sure he wasn't trying to. It's not like he was crashing on purpose or anything. But mistakes can be costly. And I think they came at a very, very tough time to make mistakes because he was ready to make a break and get himself out there. You know, just step away in this championship and separate himself points-wise where he's in a league of his own. And that's that's really not the case anymore. Uh, Paul's Jonas... I thought that was a really good day, you know, and, and coming into this series, I mentioned it a few times that I really felt like he needed to establish himself as an elite MXGP rider. You know, he's a former MX2 champion, but he, he needs to just be considered one of the guys, you know, with the Fevras and the Hurlings and the, all those guys, Cairoli, Geyser, you know who I'm talking about. He just needs to, for everyone, you know, whether it's factory KTM, whether it's the gas gas bosses, which are kind of one and the same, but all those guys, you want them thinking, yeah, Jonas, we got to hire him. He's one of the guys he can win. He's a podium guy. That's the established level that he needs to get on. And I think he's there. I think he's doing that, but I just thought that was a really critical thing for him this year because you don't want to, you don't want to fall off those guys radar where they start to write you off as maybe past your prime. You're just never going to quite uh, realize your potential. So uh, nice work from Jonas. Definitely the things that he needs to do, he is doing. And now we're going to his home race. We're going to Latvia's uh, Kegum's track next weekend. So let's see if he can uh, continue that momentum in front of a home crowd. Jorge Prado, I mentioned, not a bad day. Uh, I think the most critical thing there is he's hanging around in the points. That That's what he needed to do. He withstood, you know, the early Geyser, uh, onslaught, let's say, where he was just so damn good at the beginning of the series. And he's still there. He's gotten better. He sorted out a bunch of crashes. Remember, we were talking about on this very podcast how he was all over the place. I was writing columns for MX Vice. He was crashing and bad starts and just doing everything that you cannot do if you want to be in a championship run. Well, he's kind of sorted those out and he's he's getting on the podium. He's not really winning a lot, although he did win last week uh, in Aus. But he's He's doing what he needs to do, which is be on the podium each and every moto and avoid the crashes. If you can avoid crashes and stay on the podium more times than not, you're going to be in this championship fight because there is so much parity. That's a really difficult ask when you talk about how many good guys there are in this class. His teammate, Tony Cairoli, kind of a rough day, not ideal. you know. And, and I thought he would be pretty good. We've seen him have a ton of success at Wamo in the past, but I think it's really important to note that on your bad days, you just need to make sure you get a decent amount of points. You don't have to win. You don't even have to get on the podium, but just suffer through it. And he just didn't look good all day to me. He just looked off. He didn't have the pace that we've seen him. You know, he didn't have that legendary second moto that he's been having in recent weeks. He just looked like it was a little bit off, just a a bad day at the office. And that's what you got to do as a, you know, a defending or not defending champion, a nine-time champion, is when things aren't going your way, 
Just find a way to, to get the most amount of points you can, shrug it off, and move on. What else can you do, right? It, it's uh, I'm sure he's probably been in this spot many, many times where things don't go your way, and that's okay. You just can't have a bad day be a horrific day. That's the most important part. It's okay to not ride well, not get on the podium, not win. All those things are fine. You just can't turn a day where you get fifth or sixth or seventh into a day where you get 15th because you get frustrated, you override the track, and you make a big mistake that costs you you know, 25 points instead of 10. That That's the most critical aspect to it. So I thought it was a, a really mature ride, even though it wasn't his best day. You could just see the experience there where he wasn't going to force it. If it's not coming easy, then just take what take what the day's giving you. That That's hard for, I think, a lot of guys to swallow. And you'll see guys do something stupid in that scenario instead of just taking what the day is giving you because he's going to win other days. He's going he's gonna to have days where everything just clicks. And we've seen that already this season where he just finds a flow and goes out and wins a second moto that just wasn't there today. And it'll be back. I'm sure, I'm sure he knows that. He probably just shrugged it off and uh, he'll fly back to, to Italy or if he's staying in Belgium this week or whatever. And yeah, back to work, get ready for, uh, for Latvia. MX2-wise, these guys are kind of all over the place, right? Going into the series, I thought this was going to be a Tom Vial runaway. I really did. I thought he would be able to defend his championship fairly easily. You know, we had an injury to Yago Geertz, which kind of changed the whole dynamic going in. And yeah, it just shows how much I know because all that's changed. You see, Yago Geertz has reemerged as one of the, the biggest challengers to the championship. And Tom Vial is the one that dealt with an injury and still dealing with that injury. Had a, suffered a hand injury at a practice crash with Rowan Mandemoshdijk. And he's still not the same guy. You can see how rusty he is. He hasn't been able to practice. He's crashing. He's making mistakes. He's a little bit off the pace of his normal uh, pace. And that's just from sort of not riding. Like, it's not a mystery of, of why he isn't performing. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's suffering through this mid-season slump here. And I, I would expect, as long as he stays healthy through Latvia, I think you'll see a very, very different Tom Vial by the time we come back to racing in Turkey. It wouldn't shock me at all if you see him come out and win both rounds in Turkey, just because I think that's what he needs. I think he needs a month to get back to his pace, get back to form and fitness. And he'll work with his dad, uh, Fred Vial, who I used to race against in my very early, early days because he's older than me. They'll work together to get back into shape and get that confidence back because he has every other aspect. He has the starts, he has the equipment, and he has the pedigree. So that's just kind of what I see from Vial is you'll you'll see another tough weekend, you know, maybe top five. Maybe he gets on the podium or wins uh, Latvia, but I, I just think he'll bounce back strongly once we return to racing in Turkey. Look at the other guys, though. Renault holds the red plate. Not a bad day for him, especially in the sand because I don't, I don't really think that this track suits Renault all that much. He's okay. But being French, this was more a Yago Geertz day. And, and Yago gets the overall, as we all kind of expected. If he can't win at Lommel, it's going to be a long year for him as far as wanting to be champ. So nice race from him. He is certainly getting better and better as the days have gone on. Or I should say the rounds have gone on. And he is firmly back into this championship hunt now. So Good job from him. A uh, nice way to be resilient and to fight back. Uh, I, I kind of counted him out, so I will be the first to say that it's been an impressive turnaround 
from uh, the knee injury that he suffered just before we went to Russia. And yeah, he looks like he's well on his way to, uh, to maybe stealing this championship away. A long way to go, right? We're, I don't know, we're not even halfway yet, but I just like the way things are trending for him. And he has arguably the most experience, certainly the most experience being at this level, you know, battling for wins and championships. But I think he's got a fight on his hands because you look at a guy like Renault, who's gaining confidence by the day, and they're on the same team, they're on the same equipment, and it looks like those guys are going to stay up there. You know, their third teammate, Thibaut Benestant, he looks great too. You know, he's the youngest of the three, and I think you're seeing that that youth play out at times where he has bad days and you'll see crashes and bad starts, and that's all just the variance that comes with being young. But I think Benestant is a future superstar. I think that's pretty clear. You watch him at such a young age already winning in this class, and he has really, really bright days ahead of him. I also wanted to talk about Conrad Muse. Of course, he wears fly racing, so I, I watch him really closely anyway. But he finally kind of showed up today. And I you showed up uh, in air quotes. But he's just had a really horrific start to this series. You know, he was a guy that we as a brand, fly racing, were counting on to be a top 10 rider, hopefully top five. And he hasn't. He hasn't really even been close. I mean, he was running around 15th, 20th, and we were all just kind of scratching our heads. Of course, we're patient. You know, we, we just want the best for him. But this weekend, he was in third. His, he had a mechanical in the first moto, and then he backed it up with a sixth in the second moto. And that's, that's certainly much more of what I think everybody's looking for from KTM to, you know, his team, Hitachi, KTM. Of course, us as a brand, uh, and, and of course, friends and family too. That was just much more in line with where I believe he should be in this class. So hopefully, that jump starts his confidence, and he can make this a week in and week out thing. You know, this class has a ton of parity, so don't be surprised if you see guys like Boisromay get back in there. You know, he didn't have a very good day today, but there are a ton of guys that can win in this class you're going to see just weird results because there aren't any dominant guys. You know, Vial was that guy. He's been injured. I think Geertz could be that guy, but he really hasn't established himself yet. And maybe when we get back from Turkey, he's on another level too. Would not surprise me because when it really comes down to it, I believe that Geertz and Vial are the class of the field. They're just dealing with their own issues. So we'll see if that month off really changes that dynamic and brings those two back to the forefront. You know, I believe this month that we get, we're having come on the way, right? After Latvia, we get a full month. They don't race again until after Labor Day. Uh, they don't even have Labor Day in Europe, but after Labor Day for the U.S. So that's September, of course, and that's just a ton of time to prepare. You know, if you have a month off, you can really make some nice gains. You can really improve your fitness. You can get back to full speed. Maybe more importantly, you can get fully healthy when you're talking about Vial and Hurlings and even Geertz too. You know, he's got this nagging knee injury. So it'll be interesting across the board to see who can make the most or the biggest steps forward. I think it's without a doubt the most critical break this series will see because if you look at the series after this break, two rounds in Turkey. Then we go to Riola Sardo in Sardinia, which I will be at. Uh, then we go, we'll see what happens with Motocross of Nations. I don't know what the hell is going to go on there. I don't know if it'll be at Mansova. I don't know if it'll be at Matterly. I've heard that. Uh, I don't even know if they're going to have it at all. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll stay tuned 
see what happens with that weekend. Uh, but then we just go week after week after week, go to France, uh, Portugal's in there. And point being, the racing is just going to come fast and furious all the way to the end. So if you don't get healthy now and you don't make your gains now, you're not going to have a chance to. You're just going to have to be racing through and trying to get better on race weekends, which is always tough. Because for me, in my opinion, when you have back-to-back races, your goal is just to get back to 100% every Sunday for them. And, and Lucas Oil Pro Motocross is every Saturday. But trying to make big gains throughout the week, in my opinion, is a mistake. Because if you're not 100% on race day, then you're missing the point. Racing is all that matters. It doesn't matter how good you are on Wednesday and Thursday or how much work you put on a Wednesday and Thursday. If you wear yourself out and you're tired and you don't perform well when the money and the points and the TVs are on, then who cares? I, I certainly don't care who's fastest on Thursday. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care who had the best bicycle ride on Thursday. All I know is if you're tired and you suck on Saturday and Sunday, guess what? Everybody pays attention to that. So use the time wisely, get your fitness up, get your technique down, put in a ton of hard work. And this is where you can put in the hard work. You know, I just kind of mentioned that you really need to focus on being a hundred percent for the weekends, a break like this, you can go at it. I mean, really, really put in hard work day after day after day and really beat yourself up. Now you're going to want to ramp that down, you know, a week or so out before the race when we go, when they go to Turkey, but for the next few weeks, I would just be punishing myself. And, and you, you have to situationally look at that. Like Hurling's kind of can't, he's just trying to manage an injury, but some of these guys who are healthy, but off where they need to be like a Vial, perfect example. I think he's back to being healthy, but the fitness isn't there. The technique's not there yet. And the pace isn't there. He's going to be a guy that's just going to be moto down. I mean, every single day, just beat yourself up so that when you do take that time off leading into Turkey and you get back to full strength, man, you're going to be a lot stronger. Like all that work is going to show up when your body recovers. So just watch for that. Uh, you know, I'm talking kind of a week ahead of time. All this stuff is going to go on after Latvia, but just planning out your schedule. If you're a trainer, if you're someone looking to, okay, how are we going to get this season back on track? I think that's the key. I think that opportunity, that month off is really going to set the tone and really be the determining factor for how this championship goes. The guys that make the most of it, the guys that really maximize what's there, you know, the opportunity that's there, they're going to, they're going to reap the benefits of that for two months, you know, all of September, all of October, more than that, all of November too, because the series goes so long and we'll see if we get these flyaway events to actually happen or not. But I just can't stress enough how important it will be for those guys to, uh, yeah, to get the most out of it. So that's it for this week. Thank you again to all the sponsors, Pirelli, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Plum Creek Funding, Blenzol, Works Connection, Premier Vapor Blasting, Grandstone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, Fly Racing, everybody that's a part of this thing. I cannot thank all the sponsors enough. And if you, any of you guys ever have questions, there are promo codes like Work Connection promo code is JT21. Uh, if you mention the podcast to a lot of these companies, they will give you some sort of discount. 612 honors it. Premier Vapor Blasting honors it. Pro Glow code is Moto15. Uh, to save yourself at money at checkout. Uh, all these guys have great deals going on. Uh, Pirelli tires. One thing I wanted to mention on Pirelli, if you guys saw that CRF 250 that just came out, the new Honda, 
come stock with Pirelli tires. That is a huge deal. You know, these bikes come stock with Pirellis in Europe. That's a normal thing. But for them to break into the USA market with coming stock with Pirellis, that's a pretty big step forward. And, and I'm really, really excited for, uh, for the guys at Pirelli getting that, getting that done. That, that's a, it's a statement for Honda that they trust the performance of the tires. And it's just one more step forward for the brand as they, yeah, they're trying to gain the market share and gain customer trust and loyalty in America as well. Also on Plum Creek funding, I mentioned it last week, but Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they removed a half a percent fee that was on all refinance. This was maybe two weeks ago they did this. It's pretty new. So if you're buying a house and it's hard to find a house that's not, you know, three or four hundred grand, let's say four hundred, half a percent's two grand. That's a lot of money that they just took off the fee. Like it's no difference, no nothing. The government just decided to remove that fee altogether. So if you're in the market to refi, reach out to Zach Morris, 720-212-4685, and he can walk you through the process. And that'll do it. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about Latvia again. And can't would MotoGP hurry up and come back? I hate this summer break. I, I want all the racing I can possibly get. Maybe we'll do a little Loretta Lynn's wrap up too. Give us something to talk about. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of amateur motocrossers that listen here and uh, fans of that as well. So we'll cover a little bit of what went down at Loretta's as well. All right, guys. See you.